Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. So I have a pretty interesting theoretical episode right here for you guys. And it's because I've been trying to come up with sort of a unified theory of lead quality. I know we've talked about a lot of these on the podcast before, but over the years, we've had a lot of success with channels like Google AdWords, more recently, a lot of stuff on Facebook ads, and we've actually competed against a lot more. So honestly, it's probably ranging in the thousands as far as law firms that I've had this conversation with. But one of the first questions I ask any prospect that comes into Case Fuel is, what have you been working with? What's been working with you? So I've secondhand been aware of a lot of the different competitors that we have as far as lead sources. So I've heard a bunch about a bunch of these and I've gotten you know, the honest experience from people who are willing to volunteer that. And then recently we've had kind of an interesting situation where we've rolled out a webinar program for estate planning practices. And uh, prior to that, we were doing Facebook lead ads and the results have been really, really interesting. I'm going to get into some of the specifics of that later. But basically going for a little bit more complicated of a setup for a pretty big payoff. But anyways, it's got me thinking about stuff. So the other thing, too, is that, you know, obviously we have these situations that exist today, but you need to be armed for what you're going to do in the future. And I can't predict this stuff. <laughs> Funny enough, in, in kind of the marketing circles, this is going to be a little bit less relevant in the beginning of August. But TikTok ads were something that were really popular. I don't ever think that's going to work for attorneys personally, even if it wasn't shut down by the president. But you never know what's going to come up next. Maybe in 20 years, we're going to be talking about links on Elon Musk's Neuralink program or something like that. There's going to be new stuff coming out constantly. And I think there are principles of human psychology that will gear towards what is going to work and what's not going to work regardless of the channel. And basically the channel goes into the leads and this actually will kind of feed into a couple of questions. And one would be why are referrals working so well? There's a reason for that. And why do you get more tire kickers from certain sources than from others? So basically I boiled it down into two major principles. So the first one would be the principle of commitment. And I've also kind of described this in terms of friction. So there's a lot of stuff that gets really, really complicated. And I've, I've spoken about this before. My, I, I kind of dislike the term funnel hacking. I think it makes a lot of things more complicated than they should be. But basically, you know, you can kind of think about the entire step for getting somebody in front of you and you can introduce more friction or less friction, right? So how hard is it for them to get in front of you? One of the things that I see most often in law practices is the free consult versus charging a fee for the consult. So if you think about it, if if it costs $200 for somebody to speak with you in the first place, that's introducing quite a bit of friction. And there's reasons why you can or can't do that sometimes, but there's costs and benefits to each. Another thing is application forms. Hey, before you talk to me, you have to fill this out or you have to watch this video or you name it. And again, a million different ways you can do this, but they all kind of contribute to either creating more or less friction, which is going to lead to lower or higher commitment. And then on the reverse, you have principles that actually reduce the commitment. And this could be kind of sweetening the pot. And just to go through like an absolutely ridiculous example, if you said, hey, look, if you want to talk to me about your estate planning needs, I'll give you $100. I'm sure you'd get a bunch of people to do that. Whether that's good or not remains to be seen. But basically, how easy is it for them to see you or how far out are you going to meet them as far as getting them to commit? 
The second thing is the principle of scarcity from somebody that's contacting you. So how exchangeable are you for another option? And ultimately, I kind of consider a lot of the intake process as kind of negotiations on a lot of different levels. So there's obviously the final negotiation of whether they're going to close with you or not. But if you think about it, even picking up your phone call is a negotiation. Is it worth my time to speak to this other person or do I have other options? Can I let this one slide? So quick aside for this, just kind of using these two principles, this is why referrals work really, really well. So doesn't actually do too much as far as the commitment side of things, but from the principle of scarcity, you're basically a monopoly for someone who's a referral. If you think about it, if I need to get a divorce handled or something like that, and I have my friend that this worked really well for, then I have the option of going out and sorting through the scary world of attorneys, or I can go to someone who's a known quantity. And that's something that's pretty tough to find. So I was sort of debating using this as well, but this kind of plays into the concept of the customer journey pretty well. So basically, this is from my favorite marketer of all time, Eugene Schwartz, not something I made up, but you kind of think about the journey from somebody. And I like to actually visualize it as, as kind of a pyramid. I'm not trying to get too fancy, <laughs> call it an inverted funnel or something like that. But yeah, it's a, the typical sales funnel. So if you think about it, the people that are at the top or the bottom of the sales funnel are basically, it's it's the smallest thing. It's the point. So that would be people who are like, okay, well, you know what? Come hell or high water, I am going to get an attorney to sign with me today. Going up a little bit, we have people that are that are actively in the market. And they're, they're actively considered. And finally, down to like to the base, the largest, widest part are people who are in need of it, but actually aren't aware of it yet. And again, this is uh, we've discussed this in a bunch of episodes before, but basically this is you know, very is originated by the Eugene Schwartz, but kind of like the whole concept of the customer journey sort of superimposed over a marketing funnel. So if you think about it, this also kind of is a way to sort of map out different channels and different things. So the thing is that if you talk about somebody who's earlier in, in, the, uh, in the journey, right? So let's just talk about the, the broader base of the funnel. A lot of these, these mechanisms where we're talking about, hey, download our free guide or trade your email for such and such presentation. That is a very low commitment thing, which is good. But because basically it's usually going to cost less, you, it's going to be less for somebody to get some sort of a sign up generally than some sort of a, you know, somebody getting a, an appointment booked, for example. And the cool thing about that is that it offers you the opportunity to build a monopoly over time. So kind of going back to that example of referrals, you're the only person that they know that they can trust based on this, this introduction that's happened from somebody that has experience with you, client, whatever. But in the same way, if you're the person who they downloaded their whiz bang guide to divorce law or, you know, here's, I'm, <laughs> I don't work at, I'm doing a lot of stuff with family right now. So I'm kind of struggling for an example. But basically, if they've been following you for the last weeks, months, by the time it comes time to make a decision, they have a choice. So you have a bit of a monopoly power over there. Well, so is there this person whose philosophy I understand whose stuff I presumably agree with if I've stayed in touch and kept following this content? Or do I Google divorce attorney plus my town and you know take a shot on some other people who I don't really understand? So that's kind of the trade-off with the early journey stuff. The other thing too is that if we talk about stuff that's late in the journey, we have someone who's very high commitment, right? So let's think about the person who doesn't have any prior relationship and is just typing in divorce attorney Atlanta they're very high commitment. They're most likely that they're going to make a decision very soon if it's gotten to that point. However, you as the attorney have very low scarcity. 
So we basically have people in this situation where we have many attorneys that are competing for a comparatively small amount of prospects, right? So let's think NOLO, think LegalZoom, think Google search for that matter. If you've gotten to the point where it's so bad, I'm typing in divorce attorney Atlanta, I got to get this solved right now. That's great because we know that that person is high commitment. However, you're next to 15 other attorneys in that instance. So basically, you've got this very high commitment, but you've got this very low scarcity. So kind of a quick aside of this, we've taken a lot of focus on moving away from channels like Google recently, because by and large, I think the battle's kind of already been fought and won for a lot of these things. So it's very rare to find a high commitment channel right now that people aren't aware of. And that's just kind of been the state of the art. So I bet you fire off you know, most of the other podcasts, certainly most of the other podcasts that are run by legal marketers there, they're talking about stuff like Google. It's been a known quantity, but again, it's it's a battleground that's been fought over for a lot. And basically it's, it's kind of been legal marketing as a whole has been really focusing on this latent journey, high commitment, but unfortunately as the market has developed low scarcity kind of situation to the point where you have personal injury clicks going for $50 per click in most markets. And there are creative ways to kind of get into it. And basically, I'll kind of talk about some of the stuff that we've had a lot of success with lately. So one of the things that we noticed, and this was because we've worked in basically most areas of civil practice on the AdWords side, certainly for the last five years or so. So one of the things that we noticed was that we had a lot of issues with trust in the state attorneys, because basically trust in the state is kind of unique within practice areas that are for, for individuals and not businesses, because it's one of those things that you can make a decision on. And there's definitely event driven reasons why you'd want to, to get into trust in state emergency, elder care stuff, probate, certainly that kind of thing. But a lot of the times the state planning, it's like, okay, so if I've gotten served divorce papers, I need to hire an attorney probably by the end of that week or insert for bankruptcy, immigration, personal injury, all those things. So there's very much a hair on fire situation for those kind of attorneys. For trust in the state, however, the biggest objection isn't, hey, I'm going to go work with this guy down the street. It's, it's hey, I'll, I'll do this later. <laughs> but it's also kind of a, a price shopping thing, too, because if they've gotten to the point where it is a non-emergency thing and they found you through NOLO or AVO or Google search, it's just kind of like shopping on Amazon, right? It's like, I'd be a fool. I mean, one of the things I recently bought, I was getting jujitsu mats for my backyard. <laughs> So yeah, of course, I checked four or five of those for the prices and where that ends up manifesting, because that's just being a savvy consumer in 2020, where that ends up manifesting for the law firm is that you'll have people that are doing that because you don't post your prices, which you shouldn't, but they're going to call you, they're going to grill you on the prices. And if they have to take a consultation, they will, but ultimately they're going to be shopping around for a bunch of people, but that's just by the nature of how they found you. What that ultimately boils down is the principle of scarcity. So um, one of the things that we focused on, I started this probably two years ago, but it's really started to take off since COVID hit, is basically going earlier in the journey. And then, but that's, that's sort of the thing too. So this is actually what Eugene used to, Schwartz used to say is, this is what Eugene Schwartz used to say as well, is that when you go earlier in the buyer journey, you're dealing with a larger group of people and there's more money to be made overall because that's where the scale is. However, it's inherently harder to convince those people to take the next step forward. It's it's more of a more of a, a creative job to to accomplish as far as your copywriting and having attractive visuals and good site design and that kind of stuff. Because if you think about it, Google Ads honestly, it's and I'll say this candidly as somebody who's run millions of dollars on Google Ads, it's easy copy to write. 
hey, you're looking for a personal injury attorney in Atlanta? I'm a personal injury attorney in Atlanta. Who, who, <laughs> go figure. You got to show, let people know you're in the right place and that's about it. But getting somebody to take something that's a lot, a little bit more early and let people know if they have a latent need again, which is personal injury is probably a bad example of that. But somebody who may be in need, let's say they're a new homeowner or new parent and they're in need of an estate plan, but they're not aware of it. To, to convince somebody to do that job is a lot more challenging. But to kind of put these into brass tacks, because we have the numbers for both of them, Taking trust in the state's law. So basically, you know, we still have active trust in the state's accounts on AdWords, and we're probably getting between seventy and eighty dollars as far as a cost per lead. And that would be for a phone call, form fill, chat lead, etc. And that's on AdWords. And bear in mind that is a high commitment but low scarcity need. The people who are ending up doing a really job, a good job of closing those, are have really really strong intake processes. We've been targeting a $10 cost per registration for webinar. And in practice, it's actually looking a lot closer to five in most accounts for getting people to sign up for a trust in the states webinar. Now, the thing is, there's a lot more involved with getting that person all the way to the consult. But because we've successfully found a formula that works in earlier stage of the funnel, we're able to get a lot better result from that. And the cool thing is that if you can figure out a good way, and we happen to have one, of getting a good amount of people, 50 to 75% of them attending, that five to $10 goes up to 10 to 20. And now you have a person who's watched a 40 to 60 minute webinar and knows exactly how you work. You actually have monopoly positioning by the end of that. And it ended up being at third of the cost of having somebody who's going to be shopping around to four or five people. So that's kind of sort of the applied process of, of what we're able to do with these principles, but just something I've been thinking of. Yeah. So I wanted to pivot a little bit now that we're on the subject of this is kind of a big concept as far as the whole lead quality discussion. And I think if, if there was some appeal of the title of this episode, you might be in, in uh, the kind of person who's looking for user leads. But um, the big reveal here is that the biggest firms that we've worked with, interact with, et cetera, are actually dealing with lower quality leads than the smaller firms that we've worked with. So again, this is, this is kind, of a, kind of a weird counterintuitive point, but just to repeat it, the biggest firms, the most successful, the fastest growing, the fastest scaling are dealing with lower quality leads than the smaller firms. So it sounds counterintuitive and it is true to some extent that they have a strong brand, which is good for your principle of scarcity. They're almost always dealing with much lower commitment channels. So I'm sure you know probably a million people who are running a referral only practice. Maybe you're running a referral only practice, but, and basically referral only means that you're dealing with only the highest quality leads that are out there. So why don't you see a ton of seven-figure practices that are referral only? And again, we have had some referral only practices that are seven figures plus. Great episode, Kay Van Way. She happens to deal with a very, very specific part of personal injury work. And I think it's medical malpractice. But basically, there's just a limited pool in general. If you know, if you don't, if you're not a crazy specialist, it's extremely hard to get over a million dollars in annual revenue as a referral only practice. And the reason why is because there's a limited pool of referrals again. And look, I've said it many, many times before, there's nothing wrong with running a profitable solo practice if that's what you want. But if scale is your goal, you have to let go of the idea of having easy closes or as many people are looking for, air quotes, higher quality leads. What you have to do to deal with that is get your skills up to the point where you can close people who aren't handed to you on a silver platter. And again, this also, you know, this applies to referrals. I kind of, we're using that as an example, but it also applies to friction in general. 
We have people that say, look, I charge $300 for a consult upfront and people pay it. Great. I'm happy for you, but you got to realize that you're limiting your total pool of prospects and you might have trouble scaling that when it comes up to fill a calendar beyond your own, right? So if, if you've been used to charging $300 and guess what? You might not have realized this, but it was the principle of scarcity that was getting people to pay that. When it comes time to hire an associate and you figure out that it's going to be harder to fill that calendar as you want, then you're going to have some trouble if you want to scale. So again, uh, if we're thinking about that, that funnel, that pyramid, if you want to get to the wide part, you have to relax the friction that you're putting on people into your process. So to bring it full circle, the biggest practices are comfortable with the lowest quality leads. And basically the way you get comfortable of that is having a really, really strong intake process. Going back to this old Jim Rohn quote, you say, you don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. That's what the biggest firms think. That's how they think when it comes to lead quality. And beyond just wishing for that, they actually work towards it. So the pro of getting this stuff handled is that if you can get a lower quality lead channel cranking, you can usually go to, let's just call it an adjacent level with similar results, or you can go to a less challenging funnel and probably crush it. So when I ever asked that question, like I said, this is what I, this is one of the first questions I ever ask when, when I speak to somebody, if they say, Hey, look, we've been closing PPC leads, or we've been closing SEO leads or NOLO or, or ABO. I know for a fact that they're going to absolutely crush it with webinar leads because they've worked with somebody who is that high commitment, but very, very low scarcity. If you can close those leads, then closing somebody who's watched you talk for 40, 60 minutes is, is going to be shooting fish in a barrel. And if it turns out that we can have these uh, Elon Musk Neuralink leads coming out, I'm sure they're going to be able to take advantage of it too, because they put the work in, they have the intake channel. It's really an asset that they're going to be able to rely on. That kind of sounds like a, like a dumb moment, but basically uh, the practice that we see a lot is that people invert this mentality. And it sounds like really bad when you put it in person, but this is kind of an internalized belief that we've seen people tow around, right? So it's uh, the opposite of that would be don't wish you were better wish it were easier. So when people say, ah, oh, yeah, this is a business, low quality leads, this and that, da, da, da. And again, there are lower and higher quality leads, but it's kind of like that old situation where it's like, if you run into a jerk on the way to the office, then ran into a jerk. But you know, if you run into five jerks on the way to the office every single day of the week, maybe they're not the jerks, right? So, and a lot of this is kind of, where's really the ownership here? Now I've kind of called this the funnel hacking death spiral. And it's just sort of that, that mentality that if I just tweak this one more thing, maybe this is going to get me better leads, right? And a lot of the times this is increasing friction if they're doing this intelligently, but sometimes it's just flailing around. And this is why that's that's kind of a big problem. And we've got a lot of points on this. So the first of which, and this is just kind of the very important psychological point, is that you're deferring ownership, right? You're not taking ownership for the outcome of a process. You can control the intake, whether it's yourself or your staff. You can't control the actions of people that are encountering your marketing, right? If you're waiting for people to change, you could be waiting a very long time. However, if you have a situation where you're in control of your intake, you literally can change your process like that. And you can you know, write a new script for the next person that comes into your office. The second thing is there's a really big opportunity cost. So you have a known quantity of, you know, if we're, if we're talking about this, hey, let's just change this and see how it goes. You have a known quality of leads that are you're coming in today and you're not closing those because you're waiting for the next big thing that's going to make everything easier, right? So 
I honestly <laughs> don't want to take any uh, client examples in because I honestly, I'll use myself as an example. So basically we've had a webinar that's been going super, super well. And I immediately kind of discounted the leads that we were getting from Outbound, which is another channel that we use. So I basically, if I had three people to call that were from the webinar list and seven that were coming from the outbound, I would just do everything possible to avoid calling those outbound leads because I'd already discounted them in my own mind. Basically, when I ended up wanting to stop being a prima donna and just got back to calling them, I ended up closing deals. Surprise, surprise. You know, I probably could have closed a lot more if I'd paid attention to that in the first place. And then and there's definitely an opportunity cost involved in me having taken that choice. And this is a situation that a lot of people find. So again, but that's actually a really, really good scenario. And the reason why, and that's better than most of the situations where we see, because we actually had a channel that was functioning. Most people don't do that. Most people will discount what they have today for the chance of a new process that's going to magically change all their problems. And again, like I said, if you're waiting for people to change, you're going to be waiting for a really long time. So again, huge opportunity cost to discounting what's in front of you today, which is another outcome of this kind of mentality. The third thing is big testing costs, right? So again, it's free to test intake. You can literally change this on your next call with the leads that are coming in especially if you're considering them the, the, the zero case, which is just not calling them, which a lot of people are just avoiding. Again, speculating on marketing is a lot more expensive than speculating on intake process. I'll also say this, if you're using higher friction as a principle to change your lead quality, if you're looking at paid traffic channels, that is almost always going to lead to a higher cost per lead. And again, this is just simple math. You're paying for clicks, you're paying impressions, depending on your channel. If you're having fewer people that qualify or are willing to jump through the hoops, you're dividing by a smaller amount of people. You're going to have a higher cost per lead. And the other thing too, is that it's going to be less frequent. So actually I'll get into that. If you're introducing friction, you're going to decrease the shots on net that you're having. So yeah, let's just kind of bring this into numbers, right? So let's say that, you know, you're taking your, your consult from, let's say free consult to, you know, $300 consult, right? And, you know, you're going to skim off kind of the cream off the top of whatever channel that we're talking about. And let's say you're, you're used to be getting 20 leads with a free consult and you're, you're down to five leads per month on the, the paid consult, right? So in practice, that's going to go from a lead every day to just about a lead a week, a little more than that. And again, granted, you could really be doing the right thing. You're skimming the cream off the top and you've got nothing but five solid gold leads. Maybe you're only going to close five of those uh, anyways. Maybe you close 100% of those. But then at the end of the month, you and your intake staff will have missed 15 clients worth of time to add to your 10,000 hours of mastering intake, right? So most people want to avoid the hard conversations, but in reality, that's the kind of stuff that gets you to the point where you don't have to rely on super easy leads to do the job of closing for you. If you can have a air quotes, lower quality lead and you can close those, then you don't have to worry about it. And then that kind of gets me to the last thing is that you're denying yourself the experience that you're going to need at the next level. So again, a lot of the times what ends up happening is, and I would say in practice, nine out of 10 times when people go into the spiral, what ends up happening is that they'll flail around for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and then they'll just determine, ah, you know, I don't know if, if scaling this practice is worth it. They'll just kind of give up and go back to re relying on referrals. Honestly, this is probably the most common thing that happens. But again, even if this, this ends up going right, let's say that you introduce friction in a smart way, you end up having people that are coming through. Your, your channel's still profitable. It's still worth your time. You're still keeping people's plate full. You've made a channel easier. But again, once you max that out, 
you're going to have to find a new one. And chances are, especially if you're using friction as a mechanism, this is it's going to be sooner before you tap that out. You've made your pool smaller. So overall, now you're going to have to find a new channel or you're back to square one. You have to reduce friction on this existing channel and it's going to be right back to square one. You have to polish up your intake skills. So I hope I've made it sufficiently unattractive to kind of go into this, hey, I just need better leads kind of situation. We've seen this a million different times. It's something we've we've really tried to set expectations on and stop in our own clients. And we've done a pretty good job of that. And again, they're having success because <laughs> no, it's it's really simple. Sometimes like honestly, just, just something as simple as, hey, look, just call these five people today. I was getting people to closing deals immediately because most of this is a battle that's being fought in your own head. If you can internalize that it's it's kind of on you and you have the responsibility to to make yourself better, it's not only going to make you more successful what you're doing right now, it's going to make you more successful for any sort of marketing channel outside a referral to come. So very, very important stuff. And that is pretty much it. So I'll leave you guys all with that. One thing I want to have, and we'll have this in the show notes, we actually have a intake course. I think I've mentioned this in the last couple of podcasts, but if you want to take a look at some of the scripts that we've used, again, this is totally free. Just sign up to the link in the show notes and we'll get you kickstarted on, on hopefully some process that you can use to close more deals that are already coming your way. So that is it. And I will be with you guys next week on another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.